Absolutely. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Yasmin. And welcome to day three of the Net America Teams National Apprenticeship Week uh, showcases. And uh, we've had a phenomenal week, even though we were split with the uh, holiday on Wednesday. But on day three, we had very um, excellent speakers. We had two keynote speakers who were addressing how we were going to bridge the gap in long term care as it related to registered apprenticeships. And yesterday, as Padma just alluded to, we had an excellent uh, conversation with Dr. Jones, who is our keynote speaker addressing issues around STEM and apprenticeship and the need to uh, develop additional apprenticeship programs for STEM students that did not require them committing to a 15 year medical uh, program that was ridiculously expensive. Um, and so today is day three, welcome. And for day three, it is a combined effort. We have a youth apprenticeship intermediary effort as well as now a newly expanding registered apprenticeship effort, which we are coining or calling our Workforce Impact Network, WIN for short. And our goal here today is to have a conversation around career pathways and the possibilities for current and future trends in apprenticeships. And exactly why it's important for us to reach out, not just to high school students, but to middle school students and get that conversation going. Our, those students are the ones that are gonna feed into our apprenticeship programs of the future. And today we have the distinct pleasure of having as our keynote speaker, Mr. Nathan Williamson. Nathan is a deputy administrator of the Office of Apprenticeship at the Employment and Training Administration. Mr. Williamson has been with OA since August of this year and has served as the Deputy Administration for the Office of Apprenticeship, where he oversees the industry-recognized apprenticeship programs, the IRAPs, and the National Apprenticeship Investments. Prior to joining OA, Mr. Williamson served as the inaugural Deputy Director for the Office of Transition and Economic Development, TED, for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, where he oversaw the implementation of two new programs for veterans the Vet Tech High Technology Educational Benefit, and the VA Solid Start Outbound Call Center. I won't read all this because I'm sure Nathan will probably want to share some additional information, uh, but uh, Nathan is a veteran of the U.S. Navy and served two combat tours in Iraq. Thank you, sir, for your service. I hand you over to Mr. Williamson. Hey, thanks so much, Claire. Good morning. Uh, good morning to everybody. Uh, you know, John Ladd was supposed to be here this morning. Uh, he sends his regrets that he could not join you, but I can tell you out of the over 800 National Apprenticeship Week virtual events taking place across the country this week, this was one he was very excited to be attending. Uh, so it is my privilege to be filling in for him this morning. Uh, from what I've heard, uh, you all have had a, a very successful uh, a virtual event this week. Uh, and for that, I, I congratulate you. Uh, there is uh, nothing more important at this time, especially during these times, than talking about uh, a couple aspects. And you guys are, are, are kind of like the, the, the connection between so many important things in our country. That's getting Americans connected to meaningful uh, quality employment to take care of them and their families. 
also taking care of folks and their families uh, in the healthcare industry. Uh, I come from a long line of, uh, of healthcare practitioners. Uh, my grandmother started in 1952 in high school as a greeter at the local medical clinic, and then she became a registered nurse uh, in the in the mid 60s. And she retired about 15 years ago, uh, having been a nurse her entire life. My mom followed in her footsteps, became a registered. Shown some uh, progression through the healthcare industry, and uh, I, I would uh, wager a bet that if uh, apprenticeship was part of the uh, you know the solution back then, they would have been apprentices uh, getting into the healthcare industry, and, and that's why I'm excited to be here to talk to you all today. Uh, we're we're at a, a nexus. We're at an opportunity. We're already 20 years into the 21st century. It's time to start planning for the 20th century. And I think the healthcare industry and apprenticeship is a way to do that. Uh, but before I begin, let me uh, again give a, a, a shout out to uh, National Apprenticeship Week. Uh, this week has been uh, different than uh, the five years that we've done this uh, previously in the fact that we've had to be socially distanced and virtual uh, as we are today. Uh, you know, you all have flawlessly uh, executed this conference. Uh, I was talking to Jim Foti earlier this morning, and he was just, uh, you know, giving a lot of praise about how the first uh, couple of days have gone. Um, I, I say that because we're, we're talking about using technology today. Uh, we're, we're having a healthcare conversation, and we're using technology platforms. So today's conversation through apprenticeship is going to be a little bit broader than uh, what you would expect to hear through the healthcare industry. We're going to be talking about what it takes from a from a whole industry, a whole sector perspective to to make this happen. IT, technology, cybersecurity, all of that is so critical to ensure that our frontline practitioners, our heroes today, are able to provide and take care of for all of our uh, residents and citizens in this country. Um, so today, uh, you know, I'm going to give an opportunity. I like to be conversational. I wish we could be meeting in person so we could interact a little more. But I, I encourage you, if you've got questions and you want to engage in, in this, please do. Uh, I, I really don't like one-way conversations. They make me awkward. Uh, I happen to have a six-year-old who loves talking to me, so I'm uh, more of a listener. Um, and uh, we'll uh, go from there. So I've got some slides here. They're uh, you know very 101. They provide an overview of uh, of apprenticeship, and just for uh, you know the benefit of certain folks, I'll just cover a couple of the basics. Um, but I would like to uh, you know dive deep, uh, get into some things, and, and give a call to action. Uh, you know we are like I said, 20 years into the 21st century. We need to start planning for the 22nd century. How often have you heard we need to start planning for the 21st century economy? Uh, 18, 20 years into it. Uh, it's it's already almost over. Let's keep going into the future. So we can go into the next slide. Thank you. Uh, just a, a high level overview of what apprenticeship is. And a couple of things I want to hone in on here. One, proven workforce solution. I, I say proven because apprenticeship has been going on uh, for uh, well, a lot longer than it's been uh, credentialed and recognized. It's been going on for centuries. Uh, our deputy secretary likes to uh, talk about when he talks about apprenticeship about Benjamin Franklin and uh, you know getting started out of uh, you know poverty and uh, becoming a founding father through apprenticeship. Uh, Wisconsin was at the forefront in 1911 of uh, making apprenticeship part of uh, their workforce solutions as the economy started changing. 
But the thing that I love most about apprenticeship is the bottom part of this sentence. Apprenticeship offers that portable, nationally recognized credential. Uh, you all in the healthcare industry know that state regulations, state licenses, and uh, you know just the different types of uh, environments in uh, different jurisdictions across our country can be very complex to navigate. The benefit of apprenticeship is no matter where you go in this country, your credential, if you are in a registered apprenticeship program, is nationally recognized in your industry. And you, uh, as that apprentice and employee moving on as an expert in, in your career field, are going to be recognized in front of the line. But we've got another issue here uh, that we've got to talk about, and that is there is uh, actually a skills gap in this country. Healthcare requires a lot of high level skills. They, they require a lot of training. Uh, the uh, wraparound such as IT support requires a, a lot of in-depth knowledge to be able to be successful. And with that, even right now with COVID-19 and the global pandemic, can you believe that there are 6.5, almost 7 million jobs available to Americans right now requiring high skills? Uh, a lot of those are in the healthcare industry. And we talk about what some of the emerging uh, positions are. Uh, I saw through some of your handouts, some of the fastest growing healthcare industries, you know, just looking at some of the BLS data uh, recently, uh, you, healthcare has shot up to the top of it. And uh, COVID-19 has obviously accelerated that. But pandemic or not, our, our country is, uh, is, is getting older, our country is getting more active, our country is living longer, and our country is adopting to the different needs of a very uh, diversifying nation. Uh, folks no longer just go to the hospital, to the emergency room. There's home health care. There's uh, telehealth, where I came from Veterans Affairs. We rapidly stood up telehealth. And imagine uh, it's not just getting a doctor learning how to click uh, start on a Zoom call. There is a whole IT infrastructure behind that. There's medical coding. There's HIPAA. There's understanding security of medical records. Uh, just this week, uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs announced the electronic health record uh, integration between VA and the Department of Defense just went live. Think about that. VA had been using the same coding from the 1950s for its healthcare for, for the last 70 years. Uh, we have just now modernized the IT infrastructure to provide electronic healthcare in, in that agency, which is the largest integrated healthcare system in the country. Uh, going back to apprenticeship, though, uh, you know, the, the difference between other workforce development uh, programs out there is, uh, first and foremost, Apprenticeships are jobs from day one. You earn while you learn from the beginning. If you are in an apprenticeship, you're going to get that high quality training for the career that you want to be in, and you're getting paid from the beginning. Uh, you know, there's obviously uh, um, uh, on the job learning and that work setting. You're, you're doing that with a mentor, with somebody who's actually been doing the job for years to guide you. So you're getting that specific training on that job as you are, are learning on it. Uh, you know, there's a classroom component to it. The, the amazing thing about apprenticeship is if you ask somebody 30, 40, 50 years ago, there used to be like a competition in this country between uh, the apprenticeship system and the education system uh, competing for, for the same pool of talent going in. And that's why the trades dominated back then. But again, we're talking 21st going into 22nd century. And today, the education system and the apprenticeship system across this country are true collaborators. Uh, with the, uh, the the classroom uh, learning setting, uh, you have the opportunity for uh, uh, for credit uh, training uh, and, and education, which is amazing. Uh, think about that. You can earn while you learn by getting college credit. 
and think about the uh, the collaboration and the complementary aspects of an apprenticeship, where as you go on and you progress in your career, you can go into education and get advanced degrees and come back and be an expert in your field. So apprenticeship is part of a solution uh, and getting folks to realize that at the beginning is, is so important, uh, especially as folks are starting to think about what they want to be when they grow up, what they're going to do as a career, what their first job after uh, high school or uh, into college is going to be. I would say that uh, you, we've got to start engaging that conversation earlier. Apprenticeship should be uh, uh, attractive. It should be lucrative and it should be an option that we take seriously uh, with our youth. I saw a question pop up in the chat and that's a, a great question uh, because I, I want to address that when you go into an apprenticeship, uh, a couple of things happen. First of all, uh, if we go one more slide um, to the one after this. One, this one right here, exactly. Uh, the, the question uh, going into salary. So uh, one of the great uh, statistics uh, I absolutely love about apprenticeship is that as folks go through an apprenticeship, which can vary in, in, in the length and complexity of how long it takes, uh, but you are getting paid during that. When you come out of it, 94% of those uh, apprentices uh, re retain employment uh, in, in the area that they were at. That's phenomenal. Uh, and, and think about, again, uh, with 6.5 million uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, labor uh, vacancies in this country for higher skills uh, needing to be filled, uh, the opportunity for that retention is, uh, is critical. Uh, but also from a salary perspective, the average starting salary for an apprentice that has gone through and completed is about $70,000. Uh, you know, look across the country. I'm from Columbus County, North Carolina. We, we have a major uh, healthcare industry with a hospital, a lot of uh, nursing home, home healthcare, where I'm from, a county of about 50,000 people. Uh, but the, uh, the the lumber industry was, was primary there. A lot of folks worked in the factory and in the farms and fields like my grandfather and my dad before he joined the Navy. And they come away from that with a, you know, obviously needs for healthcare, whether it be uh, lung, cancer, uh, uh, bones, joints. Um, I, I, I say that because there is obviously going to be a need for it, but in order to get into the industry, to be able to uh, excel, to say you've reached that childhood dream, to achieve your American dream, uh, you need to be competitive in the marketplace. And uh, boy, does apprenticeship give you that competitive edge. Here's just some of the ROI that I like to talk about with, uh, with apprenticeship, uh, because it speaks to two things. One, the, the lifetime earning advantage, $300,000. Uh, think about that. Uh, think about the the component of if you're getting started in a career and you're earning money while you're learning, instead of having to take out student loan debt, uh, you're starting out at a positive from a financial personal perspective. It allows you to reinvest this into yourself with that advanced certification and training one day. Again, I talked about the $70,000 that completers earn on average. Uh, that's uh, an amazing statistic, especially when you think about the median uh, uh, household income in, in certain areas of our country. Going into uh, why why would healthcare want to get involved and amplify and accelerate apprenticeship, especially registered as, as an option, 94% uh, again, complete and stay in. That's a retention rate. Uh, doing training, getting folks uh, qualified and skilled to do the jobs that are required in this industry is extremely expensive. I, I know uh, just to be able to, to train somebody, it's a time commitment for, uh, for healthcare providers to be able to get somebody uh, whether they're a nurse practitioner, occupational therapy assistant, home health, personal care aides, to be able to be trained and qualified to do that. That takes time, that takes money. 
so the retention rate is an amazing, amazing thing for uh, for prospective employers to consider. As we uh, uh, continue on, apprenticeship is growing, and I'd like to start talking about the future. Uh, we have set a, an aggressive goal over the last few years to have over 1 million new apprentices in this country by the uh, September 2021. We are over, that number is updated, believe it or not now, to over 850,000. Uh, this year alone, this past year, we had over 200,000 new apprentices in the United States, and that is with the global pandemic caused by COVID-19. So the demand for high quality workforce is there and apprenticeship is there to fill that gap. Now we talk about uh, the registered apprenticeship and its long history and we gotta move forward into the future. So let's talk about how we can do that in healthcare. We are gonna be moving forward. Uh, apprenticeship continues to grow, but we need to grow faster. We need to go ahead and get folks connected to the, the careers of their dreams. Careers that bring them dignity, that bring them pride, that provide a service to our country. And there is no better way to do that than the healthcare industry. But again, I'm not talking about uh, uh, apprentices that are uh, particularly going into being frontline. Uh, we need to diversify our, our thought processes to what it means to be in healthcare. Uh, that includes IT. Again, I talk about telehealth. Uh, I talked uh, with Michelle Mills and, uh, and Marcy Hampton earlier about uh, you know doctors that perform uh, uh, like um, cyber uh, um, surgery and, and whatnot. There is an electronic, a technology infrastructure behind all of that that is so critical. And apprentices have an opportunity. They have a purpose. They have a role to fill those needs, so we can provide the world-class healthcare to all Americans. As you see, growth is uh, in, in healthcare apprenticeship is skyrocketing. A lot of this has to do with, uh, you know, uh, like Net America really taking the forefront, taking the initiative. Uh, our investments are growing uh, in in apprenticeship, getting folks uh, to uh, think into new industries and the new technologies, and to apply those uh, those skill sets to uh, to different areas of, of our country. And uh, I think the rapid growth in healthcare has demonstrated that we are, are definitely doing that. 208% growth over five years, that is definitely helping to close America's skills gap. Um, and if we continue in the, in the next five years, uh, well, let me tell you where we're going. We're gonna continue to invest. Uh, if you go to our website, www.apprenticeship.gov, that's www.apprenticeship.gov, we provide a, a vast array of resources. We just launched in the last few weeks an investments page so you can see what our active and uh, our future uh, investments in uh, in apprenticeship are going to be, whether they're going to be grants, uh, you know, uh, intermediary industry contracts. Uh, we are investing. We're doubling down that apprenticeship is part of our our, our workforce solution in this country. And nevertheless, there are opportunities outside of federal funding for investments. Uh, there are uh, certain tax incentives that are provided by state and local governments. There are opportunities uh, to connect with uh, with foundations uh, and, and grants that are provided through the private sector. So the, the, the world is really at our disposal to ensure that apprenticeship is helping us accelerate growth and getting that skilled workforce in healthcare. There is no more important time than now to do so. Um, you know, I've got some uh, slides towards the end. I do want to introduce just real quick uh, that earlier this year, we launched a, uh, a, a new uh, complementary model to the national apprenticeship system called industry recognized apprenticeship programs. Uh, and this allows industry to really accelerate and, and take the lead. And what happens is the Department of Labor, us, we will recognize a third party, industry leaders, uh, um, organizations, 
to recognize high quality apprenticeship programs. Uh, these organizations are called standards recognition entities. And in turn, they will recognize those high quality industry recognized apprenticeship programs. So industry can meet the needs that it has right now without the red tape, without the bureaucracy and go ahead and, and get that in. And again, I say this is complimentary. IREPs are not competitive with registered apprenticeship. They are complimentary too. Please go to our website again, apprenticeship.gov and go to our IREP page and you'll be able to see how we are accelerating that. And uh, in fact, uh, back in September, we announced our inaugural cohort of those standard recognitions entities, 18. And I'd like to give a, a call out to AMCC, who uh, has accredited uh, in the healthcare industry for IRAPs. This is exciting. This is a revolutionary. Everybody should be like pumped up about this and be going to our website, checking out if you want to be an SRE or if you want to be an IRAP, uh, you know, act now, go to our website. Our team is standing by registered or IRAP to be able to provide any assistance necessary. We have an amazing staff all over the country uh, that will pick up the phone, send an email. They will spend so much time with you to answer any questions that you have as you really uh, you know, take seriously uh, pushing forward. With that, let me pause. I think I overstayed uh, my welcome here, uh, but I will turn back for, uh, for questions and uh, turn over back to Claire. Uh, Pat, <laughs> to the moderator, but thank you. Pleasure to talk to you this morning. We can do this all day. <laughs> thank you, Nathan. I think we're going to certainly open it up for any questions. If you want to open your mic or if you're shy, you can certainly text a question in the chat box for Nathan. So that must be the first. No one has any questions. So then I'll pose one, seeing as um, we know, you know, we're in this uh, business of being an industry intermediary. So, Nathan, what is the difference between an IRAP and a RAP? All right, great question. Now, we've got a slide for that. If we could go back about three slides. And one more. All right, this is the side by side. So going in uh, registered apprenticeship, this is what you've been familiar with if you've heard about apprenticeship uh, uh, with the, uh, the Department of Labor. Uh, so registered apprenticeship is the model that we've been using uh, going all the way back to the 40s. Uh, it's that proven model. I think we lost Nathan. <laughs> you want me to pinch hit here, Claire? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. Um, uh, is, Nathan, is Nathan back? I'm, I'm yeah, not... he's, he's right. back. Okay, right. good. I'll let Nathan go. So I uh, completely uh, missed the uh, whole part of it, but it's exciting. Um, so with, with IRAPs, uh, main difference is it's still high quality programs, except for we as a Department of Labor are not directly going to be validating the industry recognized apprenticeship. We allow that third party to recognize that standards recognition entity. Uh, we make sure that they understand how to validate that high quality program and allow industry to rapidly fill in those needs. 
Why do we do this? Uh, registered apprenticeship is amazing. It provides so many opportunities, but there, there may be complementary aspects that industry sees a, an emerging need, a quick need, a rapid need, a uh, different need than uh, their registered programs. It could be in, in coordination with or separate to, uh, to be able to fill that gap. Now, uh, I wanna be uh, very clear here that with uh, the Department of Labor, uh, specifically, uh, our, our investments uh, are generally tied to the registered apprenticeship program. However, as IRAPs are coming into focus and they are a proven workforce development model, uh, it does not necessarily preclude IRAP from some of the federal investments that are out there. But please pay close attention to that as you research. And again, go to our website, apprenticeship.gov. Uh, as our uh, grants uh, photos come out and whatnot, read through those. Uh, they clearly articulate uh, all aspects and components of any funding opportunity. Uh, so please go to our investments page, take the time when uh, those opportunities do come out, take a look, ask our team questions. That's my biggest advice is to reach out to us at OA. Uh, our, our staff is eager, uh, you've got to hold them back. They, they want to get out there and help and, and advise and make sure folks can have every opportunity possible to create a high quality apprenticeship program. Because why do we do this? To give folks an opportunity to be apprentices and live the American dream, have a career that provides them dignity and an income that can support them and their family. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, that's just you know been wonderful. I think uh, that was very helpful. And I'll turn it over to Dr. Arvind. And thank you, Claire. Uh, so far in the last couple of events, we had heard, uh, you know, keynote speakers at the panelists and uh, speak, and we listened to them and we took a lot of information in. And this is the time that we want to hear from the employers as well as from the participants so that we can hear your input and we can understand what is the current trend as well as the future trend in apprenticeship world and we can understand what is the current and emerging trend in the um, from the employer's uh, view so that we can take it back and we can work according to the trend. Nathan was presenting wonderfully about the trends and we have some data that we can provide you from the moderators. So it's with great pleasure. Let me introduce you the two moderators who were my close friends that I had the pleasure to work with them before. And Christina Herzog is a program manager with Mayor and Mayor with 20 years of experience in the private sector, academia, and the public workforce system. She has recently served as a coach for US Department of Labor, ETA Office of Apprenticeship, and State Apprenticeship Expansion Grantees, and has deep subject matter knowledge in sector strategies, career pathways, governance and boards, as well as expertise in business outreach and partnership engagement. And she had prior to joining Mayor and Mayor, she was with New Jersey State Employment and Training Commission, leading the State Healthcare Workforce Council among, among other duties. She was a research project director for Heldrick Center for Workforce Development at Rutgers University. She is going to be moderating the trends and emerging technologies 
in healthcare on the clinical side and anything under the clinical side of healthcare occupations as well as public health workforce in section B. So anybody who wants to discuss that can follow Christina in section B. My other friend, Lori Harrington, she is the Associate Director for Research and Evaluation at the Heldrick Center and is responsible for the center's work on secondary career and technical education, education and career awareness, and the healthcare sector employment. Harrington is also responsible for developing and managing the center's secondary and post-secondary career education and information initiatives, as well as healthcare and disability employment initiatives. She has extensive knowledge of workforce development policy, sectoral demand analysis, qualitative program and policy evaluation, work-based welfare policies, school-to-work, disability employment, and the public workforce development and education systems. I had great pleasure working with both Laurie and Christina and know them for many years. And it is with great pleasure I'm introducing both as the moderator, and Laurie is going to moderate a session on cybersecurities and performance metrics and current and emerging technologies in healthcare technology and anything that comes under that in section A. So anybody who wants to discuss those kind of jobs can move into section A, and I will be with Laurie in section A as well. And, you know, we can discuss about artificial intelligence-based job as those are the jobs that data model that was discussed during COVID. And similarly, contact tracing and community healthcare workforce, public healthcare workforce, they all go under Christina's group, right? I'm not biasing anybody. So this is our, this, our session. Let's discuss, let's make it more interactive. So now Yasmin will be dividing us into two groups. And I know it's going to be difficult to have you know, virtual discussion. It's not going to be like you know, in-person discussion, but we can unmute and we can participate in the discussion. I raise our hands and the moderator can call us. And they, are, they came with prepared questions and they are going to post the questions. And we, it's, we can make it as lively as possible and let's voice our opinion and discuss. And there are some thought leaders that we had put it in the agenda booklets, and let's go and have a wonderful discussion, guys. Thank you, and looking forward to participating with you all in the discussion. Once the discussion is done, we are going to come back, and the group leaders are going to read out the discussions, and then Claire will do the thank you. Thanks a lot. Our first topic, we talked a lot about the virtualization of, of already existing occupations in healthcare. So the ability for um, healthcare workers to, um, to, to operate in this more virtual setting. So we, we looked at that as more of an expansion of training or of skills required um, for some of those healthcare occupations um, around video technology and telehealth. Um, we also talked uh, about some emerging occupations around artificial intelligence um, and 
uh, and cybersecurity and healthcare. Um, and that a lot of these uh, occupations are likely to be at the certification level um, and uh, mastered or measured around quality performance, uh, quality performance measures um, that move to a more quality of care. Um, some of the challenges we talked about with those emerging occupations uh, and, the, and the emerging skills, these technology related skills are around generational challenges and that you have older, more established workers who've been in the field for a while um, having greater challenges adapting to a more virtual, uh, a more technology-based uh, way of doing things. Um, we also talked about the need for um, uh, a sort of a partnership uh, or an agreement between the training organizations that train workers with these skills and the commitment on the employer side to then hire these these trained uh, in, uh, job seekers that come out of these programs. Um, moving away from the occupational focused conversation, we talked a lot about what are trying to zone in on the skills that are required and that employers are going to demand um, in in uh, in these in these in this changing healthcare workforce environment. And we talked a lot around around digital literacy skills. The ability to operate different systems, different technology platforms, um, data entry and Excel is going to be a big um, requirement. Um, skills around privacy, patient confidentiality, HIPAA, understanding uh, in-depth knowledge and understanding of, of HIPAA requirements. And then the uh, as, as healthcare is moving into a more patient-centered model of care, um, the, gro the growth and demand for Good communication skills and and patient uh, patient facing skills. Um, we talked a little bit. We started to talk a little bit about the challenges to recruiting workers for these occupations or recruiting workers with these skills. But what we really ended up around was more of a conversation around retention and that the constant turnover in these health, uh, sometimes stressful healthcare occupations. Uh, results in a, the constant turnover and churn of these workers. And then we talked a lot about how the apprenticeship model is like sort of a salve to that because the good retention uh, is a hallmark of the apprenticeship model. Um, we talked about it as, you know, sort of a mutual uh, one of our one of our um, participants talked about the quote unquote mutual investment uh, where workers and employers have a mutual investment in the apprenticeship model. Um, in terms of, uh, we try to quantify uh, or to characterize growth around certain occupations. Um, and so there were sort of, um, four sort of big ones. The one, uh, the first would being direct care workers. Um, and the, um, they're going to be high growth, but they're also sort of tough to fill um, a reflection of you know, the um, wage scale for the for many of those direct care worker uh, positions. We also talked about a significant growth in mental health workers. Um, there's currently a 1 to 100,000 ratio nationwide uh, for mental health workers. Um, and we're specifically going to see a, an increase. We think in a in, in occupations like addiction counselor. Um, and and, um, and other sort of uh, stress related mental health workers. 
Um, the third kind of major growth area in occupations was obviously around technology and cybersecurity being um, a, a key key occupation mentioned over and over again. And then four was public health workers um, uh, and um, workers that can um, uh, help with um, um, stress related um, uh, issues related to the COVID pandemic. Um, let's see. We also talked about how um, this virtualization of some healthcare occupations um, and and also this increase in technology based occupations um, has equity implications and broadens. Uh, it could possibly result in broadening the potential opportunities for certain job seeking populations like youth, like workers with disabilities. Um, and let's see, and then some of the comments made right at the end, which I thought were pretty important to mention um, is the, um, you know, we, we talked about, obviously, um, what are some of the environmental factors? What are some of the outside issues that could affect the trends that we talked about in, in uh, emerging occupations or emerging skill requirements for occupations in healthcare? And, you know, um, Obviously, you can't get around talking about COVID and the effects of COVID and how um, the uh, once the sort of dust settles in terms of uh, patient care, um, one of our participants, Padma, um, characterized it as a oncoming pandemic um, in mental health and how um, the effects of COVID are affecting um, the population generally, but particularly the healthcare workforce. Uh, around issues of burnout, stress, um, and then there's going to be an economic fallout that's going to affect the healthcare workforce. Um, as um, you know, the example that something like in insurance companies um, aren't going to be able to collect some of their um, their their fees, and so anyway, there's going to be this um, economic fallout when when uh, when we really see COVID nineteen fully play out. And then there's also going to be um, the need to prepare as we move into a more technologically based system of care, um, the need to prepare to think about and prepare for uh, the idea of data breaches and cybersecurity and how we're going to be ready to confront those challenges. That's what I got from my notes. Please, um, anybody who was in our session, please add on wherever I left out <laughs> or characterized wrong. Oh, no, Laurie, that was perfect. <laughs> you captured all our salient points and more, and they sounded even better the second time around. <laughs> so I guess next up um, is Christina. Yes, thank you so much. Hello again, everyone. So good to uh, hear about what happened in the other breakout room. I'm particularly interested in the impact of going virtual on behavioral health and mental health occupations and, and what that means both for uh, patients as well as practitioners. So sorry that I had to miss out on that conversation, but we had a good conversation in our room as well. Uh, we talked about three primary uh, healthcare apprenticeship clusters focused around uh, community-based work, such as a, a community health worker, professional and technical, grouping around surgical techs and radiology techs, and then a long-term care cluster around CNAs, home health aides, and I'm borrowing that all from, from Dan, 
Um, so thank you, Dan, for that. Uh, and then we talked about sort of priority occupations for apprenticeship at this time. Pharmacist assistant came up uh, with multiple folks. Um, Dartmouth Hitchcock talked about having to put through three cohorts in the past year uh, just for pharmacy techs uh, within their system. We also talked about nursing aides, community health workers, surgical techs, environment, environmental services, and a growing need potentially uh, around biological techs and certified medical assistants in the future with some future growth area potentially around physical therapy, particularly when we think about the aging population. We didn't come up with any that, that we thought needed to be removed necessarily, mostly growth areas for us. In terms of educational attainment, we, I'm sorry, educational alignment. <laughs> we talked about the importance and value of programs attaching career credit whenever possible, um, particularly for attracting our youth into apprenticeship. The value of stacking programs, both for entry as well as career mobility, developing those on and off ramps to provide progression within the industry. We also talked about the challenges of engaging educators, particularly in community, community colleges with this model. We know that on the non-credit side, folks tend to be a little more accepting of the apprenticeship model and perhaps less so on the credit side. So we're beginning to see that transformation, um, but there are still areas where there's work to be done. Um, and this, we also talked a little bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So here again, we also talked about the importance of alignment and career mobility um, and those career pathways and stackable apprenticeships, perhaps even within those pathways to get folks to the next level. We talked about aligning community partnerships, about braiding funding, uh, providing laptops, scrubs, stethoscopes, mentorships, mentorship training programs uh, to help individuals within the DEI community sort of uh, get to that next level, providing access to Wi-Fi. We know that's incredibly challenging and, and also relates to the session that Lori was leading, right? Making sure that folks have the access for the RTI. And we spent some time talking about return on investment for employers as well. So I know we're running short on time. That's a brief summary of what we covered in our session. If anyone has anything they want to add, uh, Krithika, was there anything that I missed? Uh, no, you summarized beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So with four minutes left, I pass it back to our leaders. <laughs> oh, very good, Christina. That was great. Thank you so much. Um, I think if you um, could share that summary with myself or, or Padma at some point, because we'll collate all those salient points and um, document them, you know, for our records and to be able to share with the team for those that are interested in following up with some of those those items. And if there are no other questions, um, I definitely want to take this time to uh, thank all of you for joining, especially Bernie, um, Jim, Dan, um, you know, as and Eric. We really, really appreciate your time this morning and the rest of this week. Earlier this week, we know that you had many, many options of where to spend your time during National Apprenticeship Week, and so I want to just share on behalf of the, the Net America team. 
We really thank you for that. And we hope to be able to reciprocate at some point as you do different events. I think um, we're all um, passionate and excited about this mission and look forward to working with you all again. Uh, Padma, I don't know if there's anything you want to add or, or share before we sign off. I think we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, I really enjoyed the robust conversation and uh, thank you, Laurie and Christina for summarizing the meeting minutes. And it all takes a team to do any event really well. So thanks to the entire Net America team for that. And we have a lot of work to do because we collected a lot of information and definitely working on the entry level occupations that we thought are the emerging occupations. We will move forward and this is not going to be the only event and we plan to do this discussion every three months and hopefully John will be able to join us next time. And as they say, woods are lovely, dark and deep but we have promises to keep and miles to go before we sleep and miles to go before we sleep because there is so much work to do and there are so many people who need a path to walk and they need guidance, especially in the underserved minority population and we are here to help them to achieve their goal with not much of a college debt and that is what we are here for and that is where we need to guide them to achieve their goal. And with proper education and people will be able to think and people will be able to achieve higher income and people will be able to get a better quality of life and move forward. And that's our goal. And I'm happy that many of you are able to join us and help us to work for them. And I'm very happy and this morning that you are able to spend time with us and thank you and we will be in touch with you and share the meetings minutes as well as the links with you. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you.